0: christmas have been commercialized so much when it's over we're like glad that's over i've spent x amount of dollars on that took all the time stuff and the eggs we had to have a hunt out here we had to prepare for more people the church you get what i'm saying the christmas time we're complaining about this because of what we did well, it's about what he did not what we did all right actually so it got me wondering what happened what, what, what happened to mary his mom think about his mom what happened to her and his disciples on Monday, you know, Sunday he was resurrected. What happened to them on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? What were they thinking about? Were they glad it was over with? You know, I believe on Friday, Jesus died on Good Friday. It says they were devastated. Their whole world was turned upside down and changed. Picture this. Think about right, this. Right. They followed this man for three years. He taught them. They gave up their vocation. They gave up what they did, their yes. jobs. They walked away from. Them. You know, some of them were fishermen. Think about that to have the money in that day to have a boat and have all the nets and everything. This was a life's work they gave up. Maybe for generations, their dads were probably generations or fishermen, and their grandpas were probably fishermen. Think about that. They walked away from that to follow this Jesus. Yes. And now he's dead. Amen. Think about his mom. She watched her son die a brutal death, beaten, all the things he went through. We all know that story. I'm not getting back into Easter again. But he died on Good Friday for our sins. You know, they had been taught all their lives that when the savior came when jesus came that he was going to be more of a man of war or something of that nature he was going to come in and rise up an army and save them from the egyptians that's what they had been taught their whole life and that's what they were expecting they got something totally different than what they were expecting so they were devastated on friday how do you think saturday was for them think about when you lose a loved one and i'm sure none of us have ever given up our jobs and our whole livelihoods for for a loved one before but but i'm sure they were scared you know what happens to me if I keep preaching this word? If I keep doing what He told me to do, where am I going to wind up at? Am I going to wind up on the cross? What are we going to do now? How will we handle this? What are we going to do? Yeah. You know they went fishing after this. Actually, in John twenty nineteen, can you, can you put that up there? In John twenty nineteen. Then we have awkward moments like this. <laughs> it says wipe away. No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> sing. I'm not gonna sing for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> 2019. I didn't mark in my Bible because here we go. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, this is when this is when Jesus appeared to them. there. But when the doors were shut, and, and some translations say locked, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and and said unto them, Peace unto you. So they were afraid. They were afraid during this, uh, this time for their safety. They feared for their safety. How are they going to handle this thing? What are they going to do from here out? Are they going to do what he told them to do? Are they going to go back and handle it themselves? See, we look a lot like the disciples sometimes. Are we going to do what God called us out to do? Are we going to handle it in our own way? However, we can see we can see in the natural room that we can fix it. On, on Sunday was Easter. We, re, we, we see it as Easter. Jesus was resurrected. Amen. He came back. They talked to them. They're talking about here. Jesus was resurrected. Even Jesus said, a seed has to die to multiply, right? Jesus said that. <clears throat> Some of the disciples on this day rejoiced. Their faith was boosted up, okay? He was dead, now he's back. We've seen him. He's here. But what now? He's still not this man of war. He's still not coming back to save Israel in this way. Some of his faith were boosted. Some of them, they were confused, I'm sure. Uncertain of their future. In, in John 21.3, she'll get it here in just a second. This is a new program for us, by the way. We've only had this thing for less than two weeks now, so it's working. It's going to be a great thing when we get used to it. We're going to have some movie nights and stuff coming up, too. In and, and, uh, John 21.3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. See what's going on here? They didn't do what God had told them to do and preach His word. They weren't doing what Jesus had trained them to do. See, He trains us up. When He calls that into something, He trained us in that thing. They weren't doing what He told them to do. Instead, they went into hiding for a while. They got bored with that. They got tired of that. And they went out fishing. They reverted back to their old ways. Much like we revert back to our old ways a lot of times. And you see what happened, though? They caught nothing. It didn't produce any fruit for them during that time. I'm teaching a lot today because I learned a lot from this right here. You see, when Christ died... And he was resurrected. And the day of Pentecost came. I was thinking in my mind that this all happened pretty fast. Because I thought it all happened during um, Passover. But I learned from this. So I want want to teach you through this. And then we're going to get into a little more here. Uh, So their faith was was boosted. They were confused. Uncertain of the future on Sunday. And then I thought all this happened on the Passover. When I started studying this out. I figured it all happened during the Passover. Because it had to happen pretty quickly. Right? Anybody ever studied this, this out before? I've read it before, but I never really got it before. The Passover is a Jewish festival beginning on the 14th of Nisan. A Jew, um, that's a month of the Jewish calendar. And traditionally celebrated for eight days. It commemorates the escape of the Jews from Egypt. Everybody knows what the Passover was. They had to slaughter a lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, so the angel of death would pass over their houses, Yes. The, the Jews. So if that lasts for eight days, I knew that Jesus was here on this earth for 40 days after he was resurrected. He was here on earth for 40 days. People were seeing him. 40 days on earth. And then I realized what the word Pentecost means. I looked up the day of Pentecost. The word Pentecost itself means 50. Anybody know that? Are you learning here today with me? The day of of Pentecost means 50. So Jesus had 40 days on earth. And then 10 days later after that, the day of Pentecost happened. The day of Pentecost that we learned about in Acts 2. Leviticus 23, 16 tells them to count 50 days from Passover. Jesus died on the Passover festival. 50 days from Passover to the next holiday Festival, it's called the Festival of Weeks or 50 days or 7 Sabbaths which is 49 days 7 Sundays or 49 days from Easter, the Passover is May the 24th May the 24th it winds up on May the 24th one day before Memorial Day a day of remembrance for those who died for their country that's pretty ironic, huh? people who died for their country you think our, you think our nation believes in this stuff? I think they do? They have all these holidays for things. They must believe something, or they did at one time anyway, right? Right, right? So we're talking about the festival of weeks here. They call it the festival of weeks. The second great great feast of Israel's yearly cycle of holy days. So this is the second holiday of the month, if you look at the Jewish calendar. Originally a harvest feast turned into a day to celebrate the giving of, of the law. So originally it was a harvest feast, and they came and they paid tithes on this day of the things that they had gained. In Leviticus, that's what it started out to be. Then God gave them the tablet, you know, the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on it. Gave them the law, Gave them to Moses on Mount Sinai. It changed to a celebration of this. This day is especially special for Christians, though. Seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, anybody know what happened? The Holy Ghost, the fire, was poured out upon his followers. It changed the world forever. Forever changing the world, empowering them for their mission. Gathering them together as a church. You see, before they were scattered out, they were scared. They were distraught. They didn't know where they were going in this thing, right? right. And the Holy Ghost of fire came on them and changed all that up. They were Man. shored up in that time. We act like the disciples. We're scared. We're in hiding. God calls us out to do things. God, I'll my own mail. God called me to preach several years before I actually came to terms with it. And I ran. I went to New Mexico, Arizona. I went to the beer joint. I went everywhere that I wasn't supposed to be. I stayed away from church. But, you know, the Bible says that calls without repentance. And there's some of you here today who probably have a call, and God didn't give me this message for no reason. Right. Some people, actually all of you have a call to do some sort of a job in the church. We're all part of the body. Amen. So when will we step out of those things, we're confused. We question our faith sometimes. I speak to anybody today? Yeah. Especially me. I mean, it, it speaks to me, so I know it speaks to you. We're all the same. You know, we had this zeal when when we first met Jesus. We have this zeal. Much like the disciples, they have this zeal when they first met Jesus, when they're walking with Jesus, when they're seeing healings, when they're seeing miracles happen. When they see blind men be able to see. You get what I'm saying? When they see people who are paralyzed get up and walk. It's easy to have zeal. It's easy to follow Jesus at that time. What happens when some event happens? A tragedy. Jesus died on the cross. It shook them to their core. What happens when we lose a loved one? Sometimes it shakes us to our core. Sometimes we're scattered. Sometimes we're distraught. We need to get back to that place with Jesus. Get back to that place with God. Get that first zeal back. You know, when you're first, when you're first saved, when you first start coming into the church, you're hanging on every word the preacher says. Yeah. I know I was. I hung on every word that he said. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was growing. Amen. I was looking for any little tidbit of information I could get out of so I could learn. Then sooner or later, you know, sometimes it's not always an event that takes us away from it. Sometimes it's just time. The devil gives us things to keep us busy. Busy work he gives us sometimes. Sometimes it's not always a sin, but it might be something that we just get out into that takes our time up. We're not reading our Bible. We're not seeking him out. We're not spending time with God daily. We're not doing the things that we need to be doing to constantly draw closer to him. If you ever get to the point where you think you're close enough to God, you're deceived. You've already lost. You're backing up. Next will come your fall. As you get to that point where you think you're close enough, you're good enough, you're in trouble, folks. So it doesn't always take a tragedy. Sometimes it's a small thing. So then the next thing you know, you're sitting in church and you're starting to feel sleepy. Maybe you're not off. Maybe you're getting bored with what it is. Maybe this wasn't good enough for that, or this wasn't good enough here. They didn't do a good enough job of that. We well, begin to complain because our zeal is gone. Church, there's a lot of people sitting here today. They can hear me today that this applies to us. This applies to me. Amen. Sometimes our... And it's not a bad thing. It happens to all of us. Sometimes our zeal slows down, but sometimes we'll lose it. We have to recognize that thing, though. The church needs to recognize that thing. You see, the Spirit came here to draw us all closer together and to start the church. This day of Pentecost is with the church's birthday. There's no shame in your zeal slowing down. The shame is if you let it stay there. Yeah. The shame is if you don't come to the altars or you don't just get a hold of God. And go back to Bethel, where you first found love with God. Right. You first found it. You see, we're down in numbers today. When we first started this thing six months ago, and I'm not stepping on your toes, I'm not trying to, but it probably will. But when we first started this thing six months ago, you know what? We have some visitors today, but we had this place people come in new every week, every yeah. week, every week, because we were excited about what God done in my life. We were excited <laughs> about the changes I've seen with my family. Yes. We we're excited about the new job I have. We we're excited about the things that are going on. Amen. You follow me? Amen. Yeah. When's the last time we invited someone to come into church? When's the last time we spread God's word? This is our mission, to spread God's word. Jesus was preparing them to step into their calling. You getting this? Much like us. I'm relating Jesus to us today, the disciples to us. You see, he didn't write this to be a cute little story. 2 right. Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God. You follow me? Yes. So if he inspired these men, these disciples, to write these things down in his book, He didn't just write them to be a cute story. He wrote them to be an example because we look like them and we need to be more like them, like they turned out to be. You see, they were scared and they were shaken and they were, they were basically almost destroyed over Jesus' death, but then it all changed around for them. So he was preparing them for this calling. He called them out to be fishers of men and he's called you. He's called each and every one of you to do something, to step out of this thing. Will you do it? Will you step out of this? You see, there's a time for preparation. He was preparing them the whole time. He was teaching them, and he was bringing them along further into it, deeper into the Word. He was bringing them along into it, just like this song Ocean sang today. Did you get that part? Lead me out where my feet couldn't tread before. I'm going to step out on my faith into wherever you may call. Did you feel the Spirit move during that song? Oh, yeah. 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 That's an awesome song. But he was leading them along in this thing. Just as we need time to prepare, he was preparing them there comes a day, though, when you have to step out of the boat. That's right. you got to step out of this calling, and it oh, takes faith to do that. You know, God had to crack, he, he had to basically call me out, have someone tell me, hey, you have a call in your life, and I know what it is, and here it is. And I know you already know it. And there's no denying that, really. Is it going to take that for you? Think about the people who could have been saved those years, whenever I was running around and doing, acting like a nut. The people's lives I could have touched during those years. Yeah. My family who may have been saved during those years and the work that may have been done for God's kingdom. You know, I may be required to answer for that someday. The Bible says we'll have to give an account for that. Think about that. Think about that. You'll have to give an account. You may not be held responsible for it because he's forgiven us, but it says you will give an account for what you did on this earth. I will give an account for what I did on this earth. We, we need to be stepping out of these callings. When it comes the day when you have to step out of the boat, walk by faith. In John 20, 29, He's talking to Peter here. Basically, he's saying, I'll just paraphrase. Okay, here we go. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they who have not seen me and yet have believed. This was when he came to the disciples that day. He came to the house. It says the doors were locked. But guess what? Jesus just appeared in there. He appeared among them. and said, Peace be with you. But Thomas still doubted. A little later, he came to Thomas. Thomas still doubted him. Even though he saw him alive. Upright, walking around, Thomas still doubted him. Now, there's some controversy whether they recognized Jesus or not, but the two ladies that ran into him right after they had been to the tomb and they were on the way to tell the disciples, it says as soon as they saw him, they fell and grabbed his feet and praised him. So I believe they had to recognize him, but he still didn't believe. Thomas still doubted. Much like us, we see miracles, we see things that should boost our faith. You know, even for you to believe this story of Jesus Christ and God, it takes him, it's, it's a miracle. You think I could tell you this story and you believe it if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost and Fire who pricks your spirit, who proves that he's the true living God? If I told you this story without him pricking your spirit, convicting you of this, convincing you of this, I may as well be telling you about the Easter Bunny. Correct? So that's a miracle in that right there, that that you believe in that. So he says, blessed are they who believe without seeing. See, Thomas got to feel the scars on his hands or his wrists. Thomas got to put his hand in the scar on his, or on his side. But blessed are you who believe without seeing him, without physically seeing him. We have a better covenant than they did at this time. You get that? They could have been forgiven for their sins, but at this time right here, the Holy Ghost had only come on a couple people, John the Baptist and Jesus Christ himself. Since Adam, right? You have the Holy Ghost and Fire living inside of you. Amen. How much greater should we be? How much more blessed should we be? And it's not God's fault. You say, these things aren't all happening in my life. All his promises aren't manifesting in my life. Whose fault is that? It's not God's fault. The ball's in our court. We have to be doing these things he asked us to do. He's called us out into things. Why aren't they happening? Why aren't we doing them, church? Why aren't we pulling together? Hmm. You may say, I can't take that next step. I can't take that step. I know what my call is. I think I know what my call is. See, a lot of times we make excuses too. Well, I'm not sure that was God or not. Really? <laughs> We've all heard God's voice. We all know this. Brenda, I'm going to call my wife out this for a minute. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, we heard Marnell's one time, and the Spirit spoke to her and said, buy Greg a Bible. Buy him a Bible. And she said, oh, that Bible $70. bucks." i am not sure that was God telling me that. The devil really going to tell you to buy somebody a Bible have his name put on it, so she realized it was we walked back when she came to terms, but she told me you know, the Spirit said to buy a Gregor Bible and we were short of money that time, a little bit and she said, told me to buy Gregor Bible and I said, well if you told you to buy Gregor Bible we're going to buy a Gregor Bible and we, when we went back we got one for ended up being like 20 bucks or something because they had a half price off sale we had bought one for my mom, and had her name engraved on it and they messed that up and they put a plaque over it and so it was like another percentage off for that so, God bless us by going back to get it. So, Greg has the Bible with his aunt's name and inside the cover on it. <laughs> but he got the Bible. You, you get what I'm saying, though. You can tell by what it is a lot of times. The, the, the devil's not going to tell you to do something good for somebody. The devil's not going to tell you to step out on a calling that God's called you into. And you know God's voice. We've all heard God's voice. God speaks to us in different ways. But we all know this. So, don't make that excuse. You can take the step out. John 16, 13... Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to them, says he's going to send the spirit of truth. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. Let's break that down just a little bit there. The spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. That's the truth in every matter. In every matter that arises, we make hundreds of decisions each and every day, Man. and He knows the truth. He knows where you're supposed to go in each and every one of these. He'll always lead you into plus or positive or gain. He'll never lead you into lack or less. He wants what's best for you. He's, right. he's only a continuation of what Jesus Christ already taught. He's not even teaching on his own accord or his own mind. He's a teaching what the Father tells him. He's the Spirit of God. We have an onboard guide. Now, if I went hunting in Africa, let me just throw this out here. you probably all heard this analogy. If I went hunting in Africa and I paid a guy to show me where the lions lived at so I could go down and kill me one of them, and I paid this guy $5,000 to be there, you think I'd go off and try to do it on my own? I'd probably follow this one. I might wind up in distress or eaten by a lion if I'm not following him and doing what he's telling me to do. That's why you have this guy. That's why Jesus gave us this guy. You see, the disciples, even when Jesus came back and talked to him, there was still some doubt. They were still, they didn't know what was going on there. They were in fear still. You know, because even though they knew Jesus was upright, I can die for this. I can die for these things he's telling me to do. But the Spirit comes to renew and to empower the church. To renew and empower the church. If there was ever a day that the church needed renewed and empowered, not just this church, all churches as a whole. You see, Jesus only started one church. But if there's ever a day that the church needed renewed and empowered, it's today. Amen. Mm -hmm. We're losing ground like no other. That's right. Yes, we are. The disciples died for this. John the Baptist was the only one that survived. And that's because he survived being boiled in water. Not John the Baptist. Not not John the Baptist, I'm sorry. St. John survived this. Thank you, babe. St. John survived this. He survived boiling water. And I'm sure that took an act of God because... You just don't boil water and hop into it, and get back out without your flesh falling off. Mm-hmm. And that day they didn't have modern medicine. So when your flesh fell off, you were going to die of some kind of infection or something bad happening. They were drinking wine because they didn't even have a clean water to drink. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He would have died. They didn't have any kind of modern medicine like we have today. John the Baptist was beheaded by the sword. Peter was crucified in Rome upside down. When he was when he was sentenced to be crucified, he said, put me upside down, I'm not even worthy. Of dying how Jesus died. Matthew died by the sword in Ethiopia. James thrown from a pillar at Heropolis. Cast down off the top of a pillar and died when he hit the ground. Bartholomew was skinned alive. These people were vicious, uncruel. Huh? Think about this. He was skinned alive. Andrew was bound to a cross and he preached to his persecutors till he died. We act like the, oh, wrong page, hold on a second. Thomas ran through, Thomas was ran through with a lance in the East Indies. Think about this, would you do this for your Lord today? Jude was shot to death with arrows. It doesn't say how many times, just he was shot to death with arrows. Matthias was first stoned and then beheaded. Mark died in Egypt after being dragged through the city of Alexandria. you think these disciples would endure such a persecution for a dead man? No. I hear people doubting this all the time, but do you think they would have done that for a dead man? Jesus went down and died, they would have went to that room, they would locked themselves in, they would have figured out how they were going to do it, and then they would have went on about their business, they went back to being fishermen they may have been working on somebody else's boat, they might have lost their boat, but they would have been doing it their own way, they wouldn't have died, they wouldn't have endured this persecution, they knew what they were facing when they did it, they knew they were facing this persecution, they just saw Jesus first hand die on the cross they just saw what he went through, these things were common play in their day that's why they, a lot of times I think they don't give great detail on how gruesome these things were because they were common in their day and they were callous to it. They were used to seeing these things. They knew what was coming for them. They knew what they were going to get when they did this. They must have seen a risen Savior. They must have seen Christ alive. There's no way that anyone would do this. Especially, you know, you may get one nut that does something like this because he's got a death wish or something, but all of them be like me telling, convincing you all today that we're going to go out and die together. No. You get that? They must have seen our risen Savior. You know, brother, the day before church, what you were saying is, these disciples felt like their companions are few, but their God is reliable, and their mission is clear. Their mission was clear. Okay, you can you pull up Acts 1-8? Jesus gave them the mission right here. Right when his feet were coming off the ground, he basically told, well, but ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses. That's a mission right there, right? Yeah. Be my witnesses. You don't have to go to Mexico to be his witnesses. You don't have to go overseas. You don't have to go to Ethiopia. You can go right here outside the church. Yes. You can even be a missionary inside the church yes. sometimes. You can be a missionary on your job. You can be a missionary at the family reunion. Amen. You can be a missionary everywhere you go. And it's not only your words. It's not only your words. That's a great method to, to relay the, the gospel to tell everyone what God's done for you. It's not only your words, though. It's your actions. Right. Yeah. What do you do after you tell them about Jesus? But what good would my testimony be if I told you how good God was to me and I cracked the beer open? How good would that be? Would you take me seriously? No. And be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And I used to think that meant you had to go here and there and here to do but it means when I get done witnessing to you I'm going to go out and witness to somebody else and when I go to lunch today with my family I'm going to witness to somebody there and then when I'm on my way to church tonight I'm going to invite somebody to the other church you get what I'm saying it means everywhere you go everywhere I go so when I go back to work in the morning I'm going to be a witness on the assembly line everywhere I go i need to be telling people what God's done for me this is our assignment this is our mission this is what God has called us to do you may say I can't preach I can't do this I can't do that I don't know the scriptures if you read your word, the Holy Ghost says he'll quicken to you with the time you need him. In the very same hour when you need a word to say, he'll give it to you. And you don't have to be a preacher. We all are preachers. You're called. But all you have to do is tell people what God's done for you. How God's changed your life. You know, God called or he He sent the Holy Ghost to, to bring the church back together. And I, I want to draw attention. Steve Senior said a, a prayer request last week. He had a prayer request. Last week, that has stuck with me all week. He said, Pray that everyone, that we all get closer to God. You know, sometimes that's what we need to be doing getting closer to God, getting back to our convictions. You see, He sent the Holy Ghost to fire. I'm still talking about the time from Easter to Pentecost. That's the time we're in right now. We're between Easter and Pentecost, between the Passover and the day of weeks. So get closer to God. Think that's what God originally gave him these holidays for? It wasn't a throw party wasn't to get drunk. No. It was to get them to get closer to him, to remember what he had given them, to pay tithe on the things that he had given them. Amen. And you see, we are in the New Testament. We have a better deal than that. We have Jesus Christ. Amen. He's our Passover. That's right. Jesus Amen. Christ is my Passover. Yes. He's also my festival of weeks. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. You get that? Yes. Any of you ever been filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes. It's an yes. awesome yes. experience. Yes. Amen. Some some of you have here have. We need to get back to our convictions. You see, sometimes God convicts us and says, read your word a little more. And then we fall away. We get cold a little bit in our spirit. We get busy. Sometimes we have to, you know, he calls us to do this or that or whatever, and he corrects us. And then we'll fall away from that thing. We have to get in one mind and one accord, the whole church. Stop working independently. This is the big problem with the church today. Churches can't even talk to each other right. because they're trying to be independent. But it goes on inside the church also. We need to stop working independently. Yeah. Let's relate this to an engine. If you have a V8 and it runs on one or two cylinders all the time, maybe one in number cylinder one and four fire sometimes, it won't really run like that. Many of you know that doesn't know <laughs> anything about engines. It won't run on two cylinders. No. It'll pop and crack a little bit. And it'll die. Right, the same way the church is going, and if it's missing, if it maybe it's running on five cylinders, then it'll run a little bit, but it ain't going to really get nowhere. You get what I'm saying? You got to get this thing. We got to all get in one mind and one accord. We have to all get in one mind and one accord. I have more than that today, but it's too much to finish. I'm going to cut it off right there. <laughs> it's about the Holy Ghost and It's Acts. Next week we'll be we'll be in Acts. It's uh, two one through four by the Holy Ghost, the fire on the last day. I mean, not the last day, but the day of Pentecost. If that's you today, we go ahead and play the closing music. If that's you today, and you need to get closer to God, or maybe you don't even know God at all. You know, the Bible says that you, you may hear people talk about being saved all the time. Are you saved? Are you saved? And people say yes or no. And they, a lot of times they haven't read what the Bible says. They don't know exactly what it does say. Yeah. Right? But, but we're, we're basing our belief system on something that we may have heard or something that we're not even really sure of. But the Bible teaches me that there's going to be a great white throne judgment at the end. At the end of time, everyone else is going to be there. Everybody who's ever existed on this earth is going to be there. And we're all going to be judged according to our deeds. He's going to crack two books open. God's going to be there. He's going to crack two books open. The first one is the book of remembrance. He's going to read down through there. And it's going to have everything you've ever done in it. And it may have been 20 years ago, and you may have forgotten all about it. But when he opens that book up on that day, you're going to remember it like it was yesterday. That's what you're going to be judged by. First, I need to give you the definition of death. I'm getting ahead of myself. The definition of death is the separation of something forever. The separation of something forever. So the death, as we know it here on earth, the physical death. I'm a soul and a spirit. I possess the body. When this fleshly body dies, it lays down and goes back to the dirt. To the dirt. My spirit goes to God in heaven because he's the one that gave it. And my soul goes to either heaven or hell. Wherever i prepared it to go to. And I've heard a lot of preachers say you have a decision to make. But you don't have a decision to make. You do have a decision. But it's not to profess God or not. Because the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Your decision you get to make is will you do it today or will you do it then? When it's too late. When it's too late. Because you see everyone's appointed to die that first death. Your body's going to die. As sure as I'm standing here, you're going to die. I'm going to die. From these little babies, they're going to die. We're all going to die. It's not a negative message. That's the separation of our spirit and our soul from our body forever. they will never be one again. The second death, though, the second book that he opens up is the Lamb's Book of Life. You're going to read down through there. If you find your name, you're going to heaven. You're in. You've made it. you made your decision today, profess him as Lord and Savior. If your name's not in there, it says you're cast in the lake of fire. Get that? That's the separation. Your soul is cast in a lake of fire, separated from God forever. The Bible says it burns with brimstone and fire. Brimstone translates to sulfur. That burns at six thousand degrees. The same as a cutting torch, right there at that little point right there. You can imagine the whole lake that—that that hot. It's your choice. You choose. You can go there, or you can go to the streets of gold. You know, living with God, my Savior. So, with that being said. That's what you're being saved from. You're being saved from the lake of fire on the last day. Um, With that being said, (laughs) the Bible says that all you have to do to be saved is you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You have to believe that he died on the cross for you. For your sins. You have to believe that you're a sinner and you needed him to die on the cross for you. And we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says so, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, 6.3 says. And you have to believe that he's coming back again for you someday. It's that simple. And then you have to profess it with your mouth. That's all you got to do. And you can be saved. If you mean that with your heart. Now a lot of people say, think that you repent. And then you keep on going on your business. You keep on going on the same road you've been on. But to repent means to turn away from something. And I can't tell you what sin is. The Bible says... For him to know it's good and do it, not to him it is sin. So if you know you're doing something wrong, you have to turn away from that thing. And for so the further you get along in your walk, you'll realize some other things are sin. I did. I realized that I couldn't do this or that anymore. So You've got to live it down after that. After you ask him for forgiveness, you have to live it down. So if that's you today, church, I'd like to ask you, I'm on two different pages here. But church, I'd like to ask you today if there's something you can do to get closer to God. If there's a conviction that you have. Pull yourself closer to that today, would you? Would you check yourself? Ask God, Lord, is there a conviction that I've had before in the past? Maybe I have forgot about it. Maybe I've been slacking on it. Maybe I think I've been giving my best. Maybe I've been showing I've been giving my best around other people, but I really haven't been giving my best at it. You know, God checks me with every one of these messages he gives me, so it's not just you. But I know when he checks me with it and it hits me in the heart, I know it fits other people. So if that's you today, I'm not going to ask you to come to the office today. I'm not going to call you out because I know that's a difficult thing, especially for a little more advanced Christian. It's hard to come down and say there's something wrong with me because you don't want the whole church looking at you and thinking, well, they're sinners because we, we're all sinners. It's only by the grace of God that we're here. Amen. So if that's you, I'd ask you to check yourself this week. Pray about it. We're going to get more into this in the weeks to come. This is going to be a series, I believe. I don't know exactly where it's going with it, but I know there's more here. I know God didn't give me this for no reason. He didn't lead me down this trail for no reason. I know there's more here. For you that don't know that God, you don't know that Jesus is the personal Savior. If you don't know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if he came back on the cloud right now, that you're going to heaven, you can tell me beyond a doubt, I'm going to heaven, preacher. If that's you, come down to the altar today. Come down here and make it right with God. Nobody's going to poke fun at you. Nobody's going to laugh. Nobody's gonna call you out on it. It won't happen like that. What'll happen is there'll be a party in heaven. God will say, kill the fatted calf. Give my son the best rope, the best robe I got. Put some rings on his fingers. It's happened in the Bible. And let's have a party today. Let's have a feast. If that's you today, come to the altar, would you? Okay. Alright, thank you. Saints pray with me. Can I get every head bowed at this time? I'm gonna go one more step with you. If that's you today. And you know there's something between you and God. Could you flip your hand up and right back down? Thank you for the hands, hands all over. Thank you for the hands. Thank you. Just a little bit more time. Thank you. Thank you for the hands. I'll keep you in my prayers this week. There's so many hands I can't remember all the names though. Thank you for the hands. They're still coming up. I'll keep you in my prayers this week. But I want to do the sinner's prayer. Can we all do that together? If you weren't bold enough to come to the altar today. Maybe you just say this prayer. Maybe you just hear this prayer. You know, a lot of people think that you have to come to God with a big, elaborate, fancy prayer. It's not like that at all. God made each and every one of us different because he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with me. So All you got to do is come to God and talk to him. It's like you're talking to your best friend and tell him what's on your heart. And be sincere be genuine about it. And he'll save you. But you wouldn't just repeat after me this time. Father, I thank you for your son. Who died on the cross for me? Please forgive me. I'm a sinner. Lord, please live inside me. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. If you said that little prayer right there, I believe you're saved today. If you meant it in your heart, if you meant it in your heart, maybe you've been saved before and you just need to come back to God. That's awesome. We couldn't have been today. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the people that you've sent out here, Lord. I thank you for their willingness to come out and learn about your word today, Father. I pray that your words would lodge in our hearts today, Father God. Don't let them just go away on Monday like Easter does, Father. But let them lodge in our hearts, Father God. Let us remember you each and every day this week. Remind us of who you are, Father, and how we need to be getting back to our convictions, Lord, to be drawing closer to you, Father. Be seeking out your Holy Ghost In Jesus' name, I pray these things, Father. Please keep us safe on our travels home this week, Father God, and back to church. Lord, keep us safe where we're at work, Father God. I pray for the ones who aren't here today, Lord, that you would draw them in near to you, Lord, that you would make them long to be in here, Lord, in their house, Lord, in your house, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Thank you all for coming out. Shake hands and come out smiling.